Hello, hello, hello. Welcome one and welcome all to episode number 110 of the Sports Kiki Podcast. My name is Alex Reamer. That's right, episode 110. There we go. Whenever I hit a milestone episode, and by milestone I mean even number, I always feel prompted to acknowledge it and say something like that. All right, 110, here we go. (laughs) But, um... Anywho, yes, it's episode 110 of the Sports Kiki Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are finally into April, which is great news. We've had some pretty high listenership numbers over these last couple weeks, if I don't say so myself. So thank you, as always, for tuning in. We talked about the Brittany Griner legal situation in Russia. We're going to kick off the show this week with an update on that as well. And last week, talked about the question, does Tom Brenneman deserve another chance after his uh, anti-gay slur? Heard around the world 18 months ago, uh, Sid Zeger wrote a great feature story about that last week, talking to LGBTQ people in Cincinnati who know Brenneman or have dealt with Brenneman since the incident in uh, August of 2020. So encourage you, read that piece if you haven't. It lends a lot of interesting questions. And as we talked about at length last week, the overriding sense is that, yeah, the people who have worked with Brenneman since that incident believe he truly wants to do the work and believe he truly cares about making a difference and educating himself about things that he previously did not know about. And I'm going to take their word for it. So it's an interesting piece. And especially in these times of cancel culture, and I do hate that phrase, but let's be honest, it is real. It does happen. Uh, I think it's always good to get that side of things and get the message that People can put in the work and can genuinely try to change. And if they're willing to do that, they should be given that opportunity. And I'm not saying that anybody deserves anything. I mean, Tom Brenneman is also a person of incredible privilege. His father, Marty Brenneman, longtime play-by-play guy for the Reds. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm not shedding many tears for Tom Brenneman in in that respect. But it just does lend the question. Does one public mistake like that, that define... A career. So interesting, interesting stuff there. Um, And I think we have a few interesting things to talk about this week. Well, I mean, I guess we better, right? Because you are taking the time out of your fabulous weekend, or whenever you listen to the show, your fabulous day to listen to me here prattle on. So yes, I guarantee you it will be worth your time. I mentioned we're starting off with an update on the Brittany Griner story. So let's do that. Uh, Brianna Stewart commented on it this week, uh, one of two members of Team USA to talk about the situation over there. Um, Brianna Stewart is relevant to us, of course, at OutSports because she is another prominent out WNBA star. Uh, She said this about the situation. The big thing is the fact that we have to go over there, referring to Griner playing overseas in Russia in the first place. It was BG, but it could have been anybody. WNBA players need to be valued in their country and they won't have to play overseas. While BG is away, I wanted to support her and her charitable efforts and do what I can from an off-the-court standpoint to help her and her family. So I really like that statement from Brianna Stewart because when we talk about the macro issue here, you know, what's our big cultural or societal takeaway from Brittany Griner being detained in Russia on on drug charges? Uh, Of course, Russian authorities say that she uh, packed some hashish oil in a vape pen uh, in a carry-on uh, baggage that she uh, and she was arrested in an airport near Moscow and now she's being detained. Her crime carries a maximum penalty of 10 years in prison in Russia. So very serious and scary stuff. Uh, and 
Brianna Stewart sheds the light on the big topic. You know, why was Brittany Griner there in the first place? Why was the reigning WNBA MVP on Griner's team in Russia? And the answer is WNBA players can make five to eight times more money playing overseas, including in Russia, as they do here in the U.S. And uh, I would say it has not been a great six weeks for Russia. If you look at what's going on over there in the kind of country that Vladimir Putin is running and really the kind of rogue uh, regime that he's running there and continually getting more and more authoritarian. And yes, there's been a massive clampdown since the invasion of Ukraine, but this has been trending in this direction for many years. I mean, it, and it's and it's gotten increasingly hostile towards LGBTQ people as well. I mean, it was way back in like 2014, I believe, when Putin, uh, you know, in his first uh, passed that law about banning LGBTQ discussion in schools and culture. I mean, so for at least a decade, we've really been going in this increasingly authoritarian and uh, you know direction in Russia. And yet you have Brittany Griner, who's a gold medalist for Team USA, a WNBA champion, a college champion, an MVP. She's one of the biggest stars in the league, one of the biggest out active athletes in the world. And she's playing overseas in Russia because despite all of that and everything I mentioned, she can make five to eight times more money over there as she can here. It's just, uh, it's, it's sad. It's a sad situation and it's something that needs to be addressed and changed. There are a couple ways to do that. Number one, again, is a greater societal issue where, yeah, we talk about all the time how men's sports outdraw women's sports, men's sports way more popular than women's sports. And while that's true, you say, why is that? How much of that is intrinsic and how much of that is due to the lack of media coverage and the lack of equal media coverage, more importantly, that we give women's sports on a national level. So you have that issue. And the WNBA is not absent of blame here either. They have a very strict salary cap. They could pay their players more. So the league does not get away with this either. But that's that's a central question. Why was Brittany Griner over there in the first place? And that speaks to the need to clean up our system and make our system better for high pro- for high profile female athletes over here. Um, and on that other note, you know, why the relative silence regarding Brittany Griner's detainment? Why are more WNBA stars not speaking out. Why is there not a greater sports or cultural uproar over this? Well, Lisa Leslie uh, appeared on the I Am Athlete podcast this week. I believe that's the show hosted by Brandon Marshall, but you know everyone has a podcast these days. But people go on podcasts, people make news, and Lisa Leslie did. She said publicly, quote, what we were told was to not make a big fuss about Griner so that Russia could not use her as a pawn, so to speak, in this situation and war. And it was nice to hear Lisa Leslie say that and give confirmation to what experts have been saying. And an expert told me a couple weeks ago, and I wrote the story as, you know, unjust as the Russian legal system may appear to be and as harsh as their justice system may appear to be. uh, Brittany Griner has a better chance there than she does if this becomes a political issue. Because going by the letter of the law, yes, it is possible to get a fair trial in Russia. That doesn't mean it's going to happen for Brittany Griner, because these laws are, of course, applied by human beings. But legally, technically, yes, that is possible. And that is the preferable route. Because if this becomes 
an international scandal and it becomes a political story, then Brittany Griner's fate is in the hands of Vladimir Putin. And there will be nothing fair about that. So again, experts have been saying this since we learned about her detainment early last month. And Lisa Leslie provided some confirmation about that this week. So the big story I wanted to get into here on this Saturday, the first Saturday of April, is get ready for the next big trans sports story. And of course, we've talked a lot about Leah Thomas over the last several months. I can tell you that our reporting on Leah at OutSports is not complete We have a few big stories in the hopper. Our Curly Webb has done an amazing job covering uh, Leah Thomas. Sid Ziegler has done some great reporting there too. So stay tuned for more from them. But I do want to talk about a cyclist named Emily Bridges, who, as I mentioned, will be the next big transport story. And it's already starting. Now, who is Emily Bridges? Well, she's a transgender cyclist who won a national title in the male category a few weeks ago. Now, she's been cleared to race against women, but her debut, which was supposed to happen this weekend, has been delayed. Here's the story. Emily Bridges is a cyclist, I mentioned transgender. She's been barred from competing in the British National Omnium Championship after the UCI, cycling's international governing body, said Bridges is still registered as a male cyclist. So as a result, she's ineligible to compete in women's competitions. Now, can Bridges technically compete against the women? Yes, she can. She says she started her medical transition a little over a year ago. So she meets the minimum transition requirement to compete. But it's not clear when her current registration as a male cyclist expires. As I mentioned, she's been competing in the male category up to this weekend, even winning the men's points race at a championship in Glasgow last month. So I mentioned, while so much attention has been paid to Leah Thomas, Bridges' story has the potential to elevate this debate to a level 10. Competing in the male category before starting transition, she was great. She set a national junior record in the 25-mile And her pending participation in female events has already caused a stir and threats of boycott by some athletes, even before she's raced. So this is definitely a story to pay attention to. You have a transgender cyclist who says she started her medical transition a little over a year ago. So she does meet the minimum transition requirement to compete against the women. She was slated to compete against the women this weekend, but her debut has been delayed because she's still registered as a male cyclist. And as I mentioned, we don't know when that registration expires. So here we go. We don't just have that. We also have the fact that Emily Bridges was an elite male cyclist and still won a race against the men last month. So let this be a reminder again of the complexities of this story. Now, I knew about Emily Bridges last year. I actually wrote a post on her uh, for OutSports. And the crux of that post was about her mother and what her mother is doing to stand up for her daughter against transphobic trolls online 
and the disgusting hate that Bridges encountered when she first announced her transition last year. So that's where the complexities really come in because, of course, everybody should live their own open lives. And Emily Bridges loves cycling. She's a great cyclist. She wants to continue to be a cyclist. So she has every right to continue to try to do that as a female now, right? But the question is, is it fair for her to compete yet against other women? That's the question. And it's a competitive question versus a moral question. You know, morally, of course, Emily Bridges should have the right to compete and see if she can compete. But the question is, would that be fair? I don't know. We'll have to see. The ruling is pending on this one. So get ready for the Emily Bridges story. I'm sure we'll have great coverage on that. Maybe we'll invite Carly back on, who gave us a lot of amazing insight about Leah Thomas a few months ago. Um, I do want to leave on this note. The NFL had a new ruling this week in terms of minority coaching hires. The league says that teams must hire a minority or female offensive coach. That's important because in the NFL, especially in recent years, that's where the head coaches are coming from, offensive positions. So when you talk about the lack of black head coaches across the league, you have to go a little deeper and look at the black, the lack of black offensive coaches across the league, and specifically the lack of black offensive coordinators across the league. There's a dearth of talent there, and as a result, there's a dearth of black head coaching candidates. So those things go part and parcel. Traditionally, black coaches have been put on defense, um, and there's no reason why they are they can't be on offense either. Um, Do do well. I'm sure racial biases play into play into that. So the NFL has a new ruling here. I think it's a good thing. Anything to get more people, more get you know an increasing number of people, more opportunities. That's what we need. And I understand the argument. Oh, it should just be the best person for the job, and that's totally true. But in some instances, there are enough jobs to go around. Because again, we're talking about offensive coach. Teams have deep coaching staffs. And when you talk about the need to broaden the hiring pool, well, the only way you do that is bringing different people into the mix. And this would be a way to bring different people into the mix by mandating the NFL teams must have a minority or female coach on the offensive side of the ball. So I'm going to expand that question and ask this. Where's the mandate to hire LGBTQ? I'm not saying that you need to say teams should have an LGBTQ coach on the offensive staff, the defensive staff, any specific staff, but how about on staff period? How about in your organization? Where's that mandate? Because we talk about a football is for everybody and the push for the NFL to be for LGBTQ people and we want to increase representation. Okay, well, we now have mandates. You must have a minority or female coach on your offensive staff Where is a mandate to hire LGBTQ? That's what we're looking for next from the NFL. We'll keep on the story. As always, thank you for listening to another edition of the Sports Kiki Podcast. If you have any show ideas, guest ideas, topic ideas, feel free to drop me a line. You know how to do it. You can find me on Twitter at AlexHumor1. That again is at AlexHumor1. So long. We'll talk to you next Saturday.